the Triathlon Show 268. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of that Triathlon Show. The podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and on today's episode I interview coach Wolfram Bott. Wolfram is the head coach of the German Triathlon Federation Development Center in Freiburg. This is where he has a squad for some of the most promising young talents in the country. But Wolfram also has a decorated background as a coach of some long-distance stars of Germany, such as Niels Fromhold, Christian Brader and Andreas and Michael Raylert. But before we get into the interview with Wolfram, big thanks to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Roka are the world-leading manufacturers of wetsuits, dry suits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses. My personal favorite product of all categories of 2020 was, without a doubt, the Roka Maverick X2 wetsuit. Uh, it's such a fantastic wetsuit. It feels like a dream to swim in it. You are not restricted at all in your mobility, uh, thanks to the arms up technology and the material selection that Roka has in the wetsuit. You do feel like you get a lot of additional speed when swimming in it. You just have to try it out to see what I mean, but it feels like a, a bit of a spaceship when you start swimming in it and suddenly you have rocket fuel in you. And uh, there are many reasons for that, including the fantastic buoyancy profile, but also things like the exoskeleton that helps you generate more propulsion through including your core more in your swimming and so on. So that is absolutely one of my favorite products. But I also really loved the Matador sunglasses for uh, training and for casual day-to-day -day wear. They obviously look really cool. That's a must in any uh, any self-respecting pair of sunglasses. But that's not all that matters, of course, in terms of performance and training. They are super comfortable, lightweight. Uh, they have the famous Geeko anti-slip technology, so they won't fall off your face ever. Great optical quality and optical characteristics. So it's another fantastic product from Roka. You can get 20% off your Roka order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. And I am very excited to welcome a new sponsor on board on that triathlon show, and that is Zen 8 Swim Trainer. This is an indoor swim trainer with which you can build swim-specific power, endurance, and technique. One of the best features of this trainer is that it really forces you to activate your core whilst uh, training on it, thanks to a patent-pending swim bench design which has an element of instability and that will force you to engage those core muscles to stay on it while training. In addition, it is designed to promote a high elbow catch. So the height of the swim bench is perfectly planned so that a straight arm stroke would cause you to hit the floor while taking the stroke. So you have to, you're forced to use a high elbow catch. And uh, another thing that is really great about it is its price point. The normal price is 159 British pounds, but we have an additional 20% of discount code for that Triathlon Show listeners so that you can get it for only 127 British pounds. Uh, you can do this by using the discount code TTS20 on zen8swimtrainer.com and the 8 there in zen8swimtrainer is the number 8. Now, without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Wolfram Bott. 
Welcome to that triathlon show, Wolfram. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing fine. It's a strange time at the moment with all the uh, corona restrictions here in Germany. Um, we have to what do we have to deal with? And um, yeah, it's quite strange at the moment. Yeah, I heard it. Uh, well, I have uh, an athlete in Germany and the pools, at least in Frankfurt, closed again mm. uh, recently as we record this here in the middle of November. Yes. Uh, so I don't know if that also affects you and your squad or if you have special permission. Uh, are, are you able to swim or is it all closed for you too? Uh, we are able to swim, but not in our um, home pool. Um, we have a pool nearby Freiburg. Um, it's a private pool. Uh, because uh, the community they closed all their pools um, and uh, we have a permission that we are allowed to swim um, but uh, the community um, they closed the pools and they don't open it for uh, a small bunch of triathletes <laughs> mm, yeah so uh, before we go any further, uh, can you introduce yourself, uh, tell us who you are and a bit more about your, your background and your current role in coaching? Mm -hmm. um, yes, um, I'm 47 years old right now, um, living in the near of Freiburg um, um, in the you know, Black Forest and um, started triathlon at the age of 13 in 1987 um that was also a quite exciting time because nobody knows anything about triathlon training at that time um and we just do it um for for trial and error um and um yes i in 1995 i begin or I started to study sports science uh, in Saarbrücken. Um, yes, and the goal was always to to be a coach um, at that moment because I recognized really fast that I'm not able to have a professional career as a as a triathlon uh, as a triathlete. Um, and um, as I start that coaching around 2000 um, with small kids um, at a yeah, at a small club in uh, Heidelberg as a swim coach. Um, so, so in this group was um, right now uh, um, as a triathlete who is in the German Federation. Um, name his name is Jonas Breinlinger. Um, he was there, there he was eight years old. We started work together. Um, as an, in 2005, I got the opportunity to, to work for the German Federation, uh, in Saarbrücken. Um, yes. And I did that till 2012. Um, yeah. And after the Olympics, um, I, changed my way and uh, go to Luxembourg and was their national uh, coach for three years. Um, and after that, I stepped back um, 
a little bit because uh, we started a family life and um so i go go to freiburg to work for uh as a development coach for a small department here um in germany um based at the performance center in freiburg um yes and so i do that for five years right now um yes and um try to develop some athletes um we started um 2015 with two athletes here in freiburg and now we have a group of 13 athletes um aged around 17 till 2022 um yes that is my main work right now um and during that time, I also coached some profession, professional long-distance athletes um, like Niels Formholt or Andreas Rehlert. Um, and um, yeah, do the preparation with them for the big Ironman events. Um, yeah, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, I think that, uh, well, those are names that the listeners will be very familiar with, Niels Fromhold and Andreas Delert. And uh, and then the work you're doing now with the, uh, the development uh, developmental athletes is, is also very interesting. Uh, I think I also fa- always fa- find it very interesting to hear uh, the work that goes into that type of work because it is quite uh it is a different a very different setting from what we're used to dealing with in the day-to-day coaching age groupers which is what what i do for the most part and well at least not uh not young uh, young junior athletes but uh before we go into any of that uh would you could you give an overview of your main sort of principles when it comes to coaching or approach around coaching and training mm-hmm. yes um i try to be very close to the athletes um because I think nobody knows um, their bodies better than than the athletes themselves, um, and we try to talk a lot um, about the process. And um, yes, so so we try to develop a good um, body feeling uh, for the uh, by the athletes. Um, yeah, because. I think every good athlete has also a good body feeling. Um, and um, what, what does a body feeling mean to you? Does that mean having a good sense of what their body needs or what, or can you describe that a bit more? Yes. I, I think it's, they have a good sense what their body needs in, um, in, uh, in training. Um, and in um, yeah, for example, also regeneration, um, and uh, they have also they have to develop a good body feeling. Um, what is the intensity load um, or the, the intensity in training? What can what can I do if I have to do um, yeah hard intervals? What I'm able to run there. Um, to to get uh, the most out of it yep understood and and what 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 else can you tell us about your coaching um, methodology 
Yes. Um, my approach is nearby um, the Norwegian way right now um, because I think it's an endurance sport and uh, an aerobic sport and you have to do quite a lot volume um, if you want to be a world-class athlete. Um, for me, um, it's the same thing uh, they do right now as we do in um, it in our or in my days at the German Federation during the years uh, 2006 till 2012 um, quite a big volume with low intensity um, and yeah, also some uh, some good interval sessions Um so I think if you want to be world class, you have to train, um, yeah, quite a lot volume, um, and being around twenty-five till thirty hours a week. Um, it there are small changes or small differences um, in in the coaching philosophy. Um, yes, I think. Jonathan Hall, um, he do a little bit less, but he also trains um, 20 to 22 hours the week, which for me is also a quite big volume. Yeah, it, it still adds up to uh, to a thousand hours per year or so. Mm -hmm. So it's not not a small amount. No. Uh, so not. so when w when you say that you you follow the Norwegian approach or it's similar to Norwegian approach, mm -hmm. does that also mean that when you do intervals, you quite often focus on staying at around the uh, the second lactate threshold, uh, which uh, they tend to do and and that you don't do maybe as much of the real high intensity intervals or or is it more about the volume and uh, the intensity control at lower intensities where you have the similarities um yes it's also about um uh, we try to stay at um yes the second lactate threshold um um in our intervals um and we do high intensity intervals just around um the time when we get close to the to the uh, races, or if we want to develop um, the VO two max, um, so we do high intensity wells um, one time per week, um, yes, in winter time or something like that. Um, so um, yes, um, and w would you do that one time per week? Would that be one bike session and one run session and maybe even one swim session where you do that or just one time in a specific discipline i think uh, we do it one time uh and in a bike session and one time in a run session um if we want to um yeah increase the vo2 max all right yeah. uh so can you uh, talk a little bit more you already mentioned some things about your periodization but uh, but if you can go into some more detail about uh, how you would typically periodize uh, the season okay i have no typical um yes periodization at all um in my early days as a coach i tr try to do that um because we are 
um, as for or my teacher was a um, you know a Eastern German guy, um, and they work uh, with that periodization model, um, but it was not my work, my way to coach um, the athletes. So I try to uh, yeah to break up the uh, the year in small pieces um, where we have um, some main focus um, like increase the VO2 max. So we do that for about six till eight weeks um, and have the main focus there. Um, but with a lot of variation um, and um, throughout the years, uh, throughout the year um, it is, nearly um all the same we started um because i think we have to train um the athletes the whole year um with near with uh, also the same um intervals or something like that all right yeah that, that's really interesting to hear and uh can can you go into what a weekly structure might look like like do you have a a way in which you you plan where you, like how many easy days you will have and uh, how many moderate or hard days do you have a some sort of model there that you follow yes we, we have a model because we always do um or we have a, a plan that is nearly the same every week um uh, where the sessions are um, and we have two easy days. It's on Monday and Friday, um, where we have an easy swim session. Um, and um, in the afternoon, we do a core session. Um, some older athletes do um, maybe a short and easy run for around about 30 minutes till 40 minutes at that day's. Uh, or a short bike session, um, um, yes. And um, on Tuesday, normally it's a hard run session um, with intervals. Um, it depends on the year, um, on the time of the year. Right now, we do a lot of hill work uh, there, um, and if we get closer to the races, we do some um you know some intervals near race pace um on wednesday we have normally a hard bike session um in in that time of the year it's mostly a vo2 max session um and um yes on saturday it's also a hard day for us where we do normally a hard swim and then um, also a hard bike and um, or a hard run session um, and um, the other hard uh, swim session is also on Tuesday um, and on, on Thursday we have a long run and on Sunday it's normally a long bike session um, that are the main the main sessions of the week um, mm. so and the other sessions are then are um, yes some easy sessions uh, with um, you know low intensity. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good uh, good description. And uh, do you, at some point when you get closer to the races, do you use a lot of specific uh, runs off the bike, brick workouts, or is that something that you don't do a lot of? You let the races take care of that part of the training. No, no, we do. Um, then we start uh, uh, doing a lot of brick sessions, or not a lot of, but near maybe one time or two times a week, um, some hard bike following by, a, um, some hard run sessions near race pace. Um, main focus at the first step is on shorter intervals. Um, and then we try to increase, um, the length of the interval intervals. Mm. And, uh, if we go into each of the disciplines uh, specifically, so can you describe, just give a couple of thoughts and suggestions around uh, what you believe is important in swim training to start with, and then we go into cycling and running uh, after that. But first, swimming, a couple of thoughts that, about what you think is important when it comes to swim training for triathletes. Yes. The first of all at the swimming, it's um, the technique um you have so we started also or our year started mostly in october um and um there we do a lot of technique work uh with our athletes um that um yeah that you have a good swim stroke and and um yeah, the economy uh, is very important um so we do a lot of drills at the beginning of the session um, and try to um, yeah, increase that um, first with short distance and then um, also a longer distance with, uh, with technical drills. Um, that is very, very important, but it's also important for uh, the bike sessions and the run sessions. Um, because I think uh, a lot of athletes just train and train and train um, and forget that the technique is really important um, because uh, you don't need that much energy um, if you if you have a good technique. Um, so that is our first step. Um, and then we work on speed and um, on strength. Um, also, for in in the swim sessions, um, we do a lot of short, really fast sprints um, for them. Um, and um, we also do a or a, right now we swim a lot of uh, of medley sessions. Um, or butterfly sessions um, to to increase the strength of the athlete. I'm not a big fan um, of swimming with pedals and pool boy um, because that um, changes your technique. Um, and um, for mo for for a lot of athletes. Um, if they swim a lot with pedals and pool boy, the technique is getting 
worse. Um, so we try with our young, really young athlete to swim a lot of butterfly for this, for develop the strength. Um, as, and not so often with uh, pedals and pool boy. Um, and after that fast, uh, or the fast, um, to, uh, we increase the volume um, and do a lot of aerobic work um, and some intervals. All right, that's a great, uh, great overview. And uh, can you do a similar one for cycling? Yes, cycling it's, it's nearly the same for all um, three for all three disciplines. Uh, first of all, we start also with technique. We try um, with the younger athletes athletes um we do a lot of roller training um um in winter time so um that we try to develop the bike handling and the pedal technique uh we do a lot of cadence changes um try to um to build up the cadence till um 120 130 rpm um so that they can ride smooth with that um pedal cadence um and um yeah do do a lot of single leg pedaling um also on the rollers or outside um uh, so that they develop a good pedal technique um and after that um we have a long fast uh, uh, where we do quite a bit uh, of strength endurance, um, also big gear work uh, with low cadence, um, like um, five times six till eight minutes um, uphill um, with the cadence of 50 to 60 RPM um, right under threshold work um and um then also in in the springtime we increase also the the volume um for the athletes and i think um the bike is also very important um for develop the run yeah but i think there are some crossover um uh, possibility possibilities yeah, I agree, and and it's uh, a lot safer to do a lot of volume on the bike than yes. than on the run, so that's a big advantage. Yeah. And uh, and finally, the the run, if you can go into that. Yes, as I said before, um, right now we do a lot of hill work um, and also sprints on the run um, to increase the speed and the strength. Um, this is one time or two times the week right now. Um, so that is the first or that is the second step um in in October we try also um to do a lot of um yeah technique work also with drills um we do a lot of um strength training uh for the hips um and some plyometric training um for the athletes um to get a better running economy and um to get out also better technique also we we started always with um some 
drills over short distance um, after um, after the warm up. Um, so that for especially for the younger athlete that they develop a good running technique um, because I think that's really important um, um, if for short course on for long course athletes um, in later um, because if you want to run really fast and you have to run really fast uh, if you want to be world class um, like I think in at the Olympics in um, Tokyo you will have to run uh, 29 29.15 if you want to win it uh, in the men's category um, and so you have to run I think um, a 10k running race round about 2820 uh, 2830 um, uh, so you have to have a good t running technique um, you can't run that fast times um, with a bad technique. Um, yeah. And right now, we, as I say, we do a lot of uh, hill work um, for the strength. Um, and later we started um, some interval sessions on the track. Um, normally we started with 200s um, and increased that um, to, yeah, to five times till 10 times thousand thousand meters um, and sometimes also longer intervals and would you generally do the interval set sort of close to race pace or at race pace yeah uh, close yeah. to race pace and at race pace um, not the shorter distance um, like 200s or 400s we do it a little bit faster than a race pace, um, but most of the interval sessions are on race pace. All right. I think that's enough for us. Yeah. And, uh, well, one thing there you mentioned with the running economy in particular that is needed for both short course and long course mm -hmm. uh, racing. And I want to ask this, this question here. What are, you think, the similarities and differences between training for short course versus long course triathlon? Oh, I think um, it is It is also, the short course is also an, an, um, an aerobic event, but it's, um, it's more dynamic than, um, um, than a long course um, competition. Um, but in training, I think 90% of the training they can do together. Um, because it's the same approach. And um, um, so some specific um, sessions they have to do alone. Um, it is in long course, it is, um, yeah, the main topic is the, the bike uh, uh, training um, because you have to get, um, yeah, a really good or you have to get in a really good bike shape uh, for a long course uh, triathlon um, yes because that is you have if you get off the bike you have to be fresh um, and um, 
for the marathon. And um, yeah, so you, you have quite a big volume there on the bike. Um, and um, as for the short course athletes, um, there's a more dynamic way in the, in the races on the bike. You have sprints and um, yeah, always slow down. Uh, accelerate um, and that you have to train uh, also in on the bike sessions um, uh, we try to to do near in springtime or in summertime uh, one time per week like a criterium um, in the in the training session um, so that um, they can develop their bike skills also there um, because you have to have a good technique also on the bike uh, to ride the corners and to accelerate and so on. Um, but I think 90% they can train together. And I think it is quite important for long course athletes um, to train um, with short course athletes because they lost often they lost their speed um, and that is that is a thing I learned um, in the way uh, I work with Niels Fromhold um, and he was really good at the beginning um, and I think we lost a lot of speed um, in the um, in the training because we don't do that anymore. Uh, we don't run really fast uh, on the track um, because it was every time or has was every time was so um, not a really hard session. Uh, it was hard, but not really hard. Um, so we lost a lot of speed um, and that was, it was also my fault um, because we do at the beginning with Niels, we do often uh, three Ironmans in a year. And so you have always that in mind that you have to prepare for, for that big Ironman event. Um, and we forget um, to develop or to do, to train the speed sessions. Um, and that was, was a fall. And so I think it is quite important that also the long course athletes don't lost their speed. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a very interesting point that you make there. Uh, and, uh, what about strength training? How important do you consider that is and what kind of strength training, uh, would you prescribe? Yes. Um, I think it's, very important um we started always with um some core training and some plyometric training with the younger athletes um and at the ages 18 19 years um we implement some uh strength training with um with weights um and i think it's really really important um because some of the also it's important for them to stay injury free and um 
you can do that um, or it's quite a big factor that uh, the strength training is there uh, to stay injury free um, so we do mostly four sessions a week um, on strength training two core sessions and two um, uh, strength sessions with weights um, and normally we start also the weight training with um, um, with strength endurance also um, the weight is not that high and we do a lot of repetitions um, but we change that really fast um, to some um, yeah, some training with uh, high weights and uh, only um, two till four repetitions yeah? uh, so we call it max craft training uh, I don't know the English word right now max, max force max, max force, force yes or max, max strength yeah. max strength Right, yeah, that uh, aligns well with what we're hearing from research, for example, about mm -hmm. strength training for endurance athletes. Yeah. And uh, also, what the the um, strength endurance training, um, we we try to teach the technique of the of the movement for them. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's funny. It's it's exactly the same way that I do. I just call the strength endurance adaptation. But it's the same thing, really. Yeah. Uh, low to moderate weights and and high reps. Yeah. What about uh, testing? Do you do like specific swim, bike, and run testing for athletes, perhaps to like set target intensities? Uh, and if you do, how do you do that? Um, so, in our department, um, it is so that we have um, two. Yes. Two days in a year, normally um, in no November, one day um, where we do testing um, for the bike and the, the run. Um, and also um, in March uh, in front of the big training camps where we do uh, a testing with the younger athletes also um, run and um, the bike um, yes and I do some testing with inside I think um, that is right now the best system um, to get um, you know, an overview of the uh, physiology from the athlete um, so we do that um, in training sessions um, that is also a big plus uh, for inside that you can do that during training sessions um, so we try this um, for right now one and a half year um, and it is um, really good um, so that we have yeah the overview of the physi physiology from the athlete mm. and, and do you tend to use the lactate testing version or do you also use the power only uh, version that exists on the bike no we use the uh, we use the lactate um, mm. testing there yeah um, yeah I never worked with only the power um, it is also it is really new right now 
um, and I never do that. Um, we also we always do the lactate testing version. Yeah, for for listeners that are not aware, uh, the inside is a software that helps uh, do testing or analyze tests. Mm-hmm. So and to create a physiological profile. And I I will link to episodes I done in the past with mm-hmm. Sebastian Weber mm-hmm. uh, in the show notes, so that uh, those interested can go and have a look at that. Um, but uh, then, so an interesting aspect when you're coaching a squad of athletes, your group of developmental athletes is that group training is still uh, probably, I assume, an integral part of that and they will be training together in a group. How do you manage that, uh, you know, getting the intensity right for the individual but still uh, making the group training work? Yes, um, it is always good when the group is homogene um, and they are all on nearly the same level. Um, and that is sometimes quite difficult, um, because you always have a range, um, of athletes. Um, yes. And, um, um, but we try to, to, to give them, um, some individualization, um, they do nearly the same program, but with different, uh, not different intensities, but um, we also give them uh, power uh, on the bike uh, where they have to stay in uh, or running times where they have to stay. Um, so we have a group of 13 athletes on the track, but um, we have from that 13 athletes we do three together uh as a small group um or four together um where the intensity were uh, is nearly the same yeah, yeah make, makes sense then if we get on to a slightly different topic which is uh, age groupers and uh, because a lot of the listeners of this uh, podcast are age groupers after all, so uh, could you give some key points, key pieces of advice for age group triathletes to think about uh, when it comes to how to get the most out of their training? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most problem is um, the training load management for um, for age group athletes. Um, it is easier to train some professional athletes because um, they have nothing to do uh, instead of training. Um, they have to get their recovery um, and um, the training um, and they have nearly 24 hours time uh, on a day <laughs> to do that. Um, and if you work with age groupers, um, you have to take care of them um, that you that you um, yeah do the right amount of training um, because they work um, 30 to 40 hours a week and um, so they have some stress on the work or family stress or whatever um, and you have to 
to be really careful because that have an impact on the training. Um, and that's really, or that's not easy uh, to find the right balance. And it changes also from week to week. Um, so you, ha you have to talk a lot to age groupers if you, if you work with them um, to find that balance uh, on the training. And you, sometimes you have to change also your, your training plan um, because um, it is, yeah, because of that topics, if they have stress on, on the work or family stress. Um, so you have to adapt um, and that is, that is really difficult um, because most of triathletes want to train and they want to train a lot, um, but you have to get them back down to earth and say, okay, that's enough. Um, you have stress there um, and we do the training session a little bit easier because that will be better for you. Yeah. Do you think that for, for athletes that are self-coached, uh, that don't have a coach, uh, but they, they have planned their own program, is it just a case of they need to listen to their body and if they notice that, okay, I'm not feeling that great today or I didn't perform very well in my training yesterday and you know that you also have a lot of stress going on at work, is, is that the best way of knowing that you should maybe adjust your training program a little bit until some of the stress uh, goes away maybe an easier period coming up uh, in in terms of work or family aspects of life or is there anything else that you that you would also recommend they do um yes if you have that that body feeling um it is perfect I, or i think it's perfect but a lot of age group athletes don't have that body feeling um and they just want to train um, um, and they do a lot of training also if they have stress in different, um, uh, different things. Um, and then they get, uh, they will be injured or will get ill or some, or yeah. Um, because that is my, yeah. Um, how should I say that? Um, in, in my opinion, um, some of them um, always overtrain themselves. Mm, yeah, and and it's it may seem counterintuitive, but but it's something that uh, is very common to like get questions from group athletes uh, or mm. comments rather saying, "I would love to have a coach, but uh, but my life and my schedule is too." different some some weeks i have a lot going on and some weeks not so much mm -hmm. so so i'm not uh, i i really can't have a coach but actually in many ways because of what you just described uh, the more dynamic your life is the the more important it would be to have a coach to help guide you mm -hmm. through that dynamic aspect but of course that requires a good uh, relationship and good com communication with your coach yes. uh, so but but yeah that basically uh, what what you say 
yes. is something that aligns very well with, with what I've experienced as well, but something that is not always intuitive to understand yes. when it comes to the need for a coach. Yes, it's a it's a lot of work if you uh, do that with age groupers um, because you have to to communicate a lot um, because, as I said, every week is there are other things that comes into the life and um, you never know. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else other than the load management that you would say for, for age groupers? What about the actual training? Like if you're somebody who's training 10 hours per week instead of 20 hours, should the training structure be different in, in some way? Or Yes, I think um, the less you train, um, the more intensity you can get in to the training. Um, I think that's... Uh, I think um, you can do a little bit more intensity um, than uh, if you train with a high volume. Um, but you also have to be very careful with that um, because some of the athletes always train a little bit too hard. Um, but I think the intensity um, is much higher if you don't train that much volume mm. i don't know if you agree but uh, but i think one reason that a lot of the times the intensity is, is a bit too hard is because of the testing methodologies used for example a 20 minute uh, ftp test can quite often give ftps that are uh, slightly overestimated and uh, so that, that's just my opinion but what do you think do the testing methodologies commonly used by age groupers play into into that uh that phenomenon of the intensity often being a bit too hard yes for sure as a it's my opinion is the same um if you do that uh testing with the 20 minutes ftp um i think it's had nothing to do with your physiology um and in my opinion you always train a little bit too hard if you do that with uh, only only do that with a fdp test yeah uh anything else when it comes to age group training that you can think of any other pieces of advice suggestions um sometimes for age groupers um forget about all the gadgets um like um yes um Garmin or Polar watch to uh, just go out and do it by f yeah and train like you want um, and by feeling. Yeah, uh, is that to keep the enjoyment like be basically yeah. enjoy that feeling of just being out or or is that the purpose of it? Yes. Yeah. Just perfect. Enjoy the nature and um, um, your bike or the run um and forget about um yeah forget about the advice from the coach <laughs> uh and do some also some training and enjoy the uh, enjoy the sessions yeah all right so let's move into the rapid fire questions so these are uh just one sentence to to answer and the first question is, what's your favorite book, blog, or resource related to triathlon? Okay. Um, 
in the last couple of months, I read three books. I find it very interesting. One, it was the Chimp Paradox from Professor Steve Peters. It's about um, a book about mind management. Um, and then I read a book, Molecular Exercise Physiology by Henning Wackerhage. And the third book was Führungsspiel by Bernhard Peters. I read that the third time, and it's very interesting. What does the title mean in English of that book? Um, like you, um, so what, how can I describe that? Um, it is a book about, um, about how do I, how do I, um, ah, it's, I don't find the exact word. Never mind. Never mind. Um, we'll, we'll have the link in the show notes and uh, listeners can, can have a look and find out for themselves. Yeah. And then what's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Um, it's my bike. Um, because when I ride my bike, um, it gives me a kind of freedom and inner peace. Um, and I find quite a lot of um good solutions for training problems. And finally, what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Uh, it's calmness. Um, because sometimes you, um, it is, you can't push things too fast forward. Yeah, that's a great, a great answer. And uh, do you have any social media or, or anything like that that you want to, where the listeners can follow you? No, I don't have that anymore because I'm not a big fan of that. Um, um, that is also a thing um, I have to say um, with this informations on social media every everybody is searching for these marginal gains um like the last one or two percent um of of their um ability uh and they forget the 99 percent to do right uh, <laughs> and um yeah that's that's a big problem in our days um, everybody posted their fancy uh, sessions and what they do um, and yeah the also the younger athletes uh, want to do that and they forget that they have to develop um, yeah the 99 percent first yeah that, that's excellent advice uh, make the basics yes. brilliant before you do anything else and maybe not being on social media is another good habit <laughs> that yes. helps you. yeah uh, it's it's a big problem because if you work with younger athletes um you try to say them you have to sleep not eight till nine hours um and then you see them um as I, I was also on Facebook uh, or Instagram, uh, Instagram um, two years ago, uh, and you see the athletes at eleven or twelve uh, o'clock in the night uh, on these social media things, and so um, yeah, that's that's a really 
that's really a problem. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and uh, sharing your experience and your knowledge. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Wolfram. Thank you very much for having me. I hope that you enjoyed that interview. As always, you can find the show notes on scientifictriathlon.com and I will also link to all previous training talk-related episodes on that triathlon show. So simply episodes that have been categorized as general training episodes as this episode was. And remember that you can go to scientifictriathlon.com, click through to the podcast page and the episode's show notes page specifically, and there you can filter to find episodes of specific categories. So for example, general training-related episode or or running-related episodes or nutrition-related episodes, racing-related episodes, and so on and so forth. So that is a useful feature. If you haven't checked it out already, then you can do that if you're looking for information on a particular topic. On Thursday, we have another Q&A episode coming out. And then next Monday, I interview Aitor Viribay Morales on the effects of really high carbohydrate intakes during racing. We're talking up to 120 grams per hour of carbohydrates here. This is a fascinating discussion. And Aitor has uh, great knowledge and experience, both from a scientific and a practical perspective here. He's done research on it, controlled studies, but he's also a performance nutritionist with the World Tour cycling team Astana. If you are looking for coaching services or training plans, then do check out scientifictriathlon.com. It's a new year and hopefully you have some goals for this year, racing or epic events, whatever it may be. Uh, I hope that we can be with you on that journey and help you achieve your goals. We have a lot of information available on our products and services on scientifictriathlon.com. So just go there and check it out and email me if you have any further questions. And that's michael at scientifictriathlon.com. Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses, and get 20% off your order with a promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. And thank you to Zen 8 Swim Trainer that you can find on zen8swimtrainer.com. Improve your technique, power, and stamina, activate your core, and use a high elbow catch with the patent-pending swim bench and have an option for days when the pool is closed or when you simply don't have time to get to the pool. You can get 20% off your order with the promo code TTS20 on zen8swimtrainer.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.